Thanks for being here. Happy New Year to you guys. You are starting off the year saying, I'm not going to miss church, going to be in God's house. So great to join you. Also, for all of our church online, we just want to say a huge welcome. Thank you. Uh, you are such an important part of what we do. And, and we hear from you so often, whether you come visit or you never visit, that you watch regularly from up north in Minnesota, Wisconsin, or Montana, or or Korea, or, or Scotland, or even Singapore. So we're just so glad that you are with us as well. Aren't we so glad that Church Online is with us? Yes. So it's so cool to be a part of, of a, literally a global uh, church and audience. And so um, I want to echo what Jordan was just saying. Um, it's pretty remarkable what we got to do the last six weeks or so. What we have done for our community, for our world, for Haiti, for or, or just the globe, uh, the fact that we get to do this together, our staff, we're we were exhausted, but we're beyond ourselves. Like it is a, such a privilege to get to do what we're doing at the level we're doing it. And again, I just want to echo that gigantic thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We couldn't do it without any, any single one of, without every single one of you. And so um, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's just so awesome. And that's also part of the reason uh, so, several people come like, I'm surprised you're here. I'm like, well, I work here. Um, like, well, we did eight Christmas Eve services. I'm like, well, that was a week ago. Uh, I didn't do most of the heavy lifting and we took a week off. So that's why part of the reason we gave our staff and volunteers a week off. So, so glad to have you with us. And I want to just say, I tried to write a note or say thank you every single person personally, but if I missed you, I just want to say thank you for um, all the cards, all of the, the pictures with your family, all of the, the gifts, um, the, the goodies that are no good for my body, but they are good for my palate. Uh, everybody who's, who sent something to our family, just thank you so much for that. And I'll just say, uh, today's January 1st, January 2nd weekend, the first weekend. And, and I, love, I've, I love a new year. I love the idea of a new beginning. And um, in fact, throughout my life, I've kind of gone through like, New Year's is awesome. And then it became like a trend. I'm like, I'm anti-trend. It's so lame because everybody else thinks it's awesome. Well, I'm kind of back on the, I think it's awesome trend. Um, and what's remarkable about New Year's is actually the whole world kind of uses this as kind of a giant reset, giant recalibration. Uh, in fact, a lot of parts of the world have a lot of different, um, you know, different festivities or even different um, things that they do to celebrate, whether it's throwing something old out of the window, uh, as they do, I think that's in Italy, uh, or they uh, get rid of something old before you buy something new. And there's just kind of, God built rhythms into our year, our, our, our life, where it's kind of this opportunity to reset and, and reevaluate. Some people take it really serious, some don't. Um, but, uh, but, but, but it's this time to kind of look at where were we and where are we going? And, and I just want you to know, we do that as a family, but I also do that with us as a church. And so today I want to give you what I feel like is God's heart and vision for us for the next year, both on the macro level as an organization, but also for you, what I think God has for you as we spend time prepping and praying, we, we, we get offsite, we pray We've already mapped out the entire 2022 year for sermon series and where we're going to go spiritually. Uh, and, and we take seriously like the direction that God wants to take us as a church uh, because we, we just, we believe in what God's doing. And so, um, but we're, we're going to do that. But first a, a story, um, something that my family and I have come to kind of start as a, a little bit of a tradition is we celebrate New Year's Eve together. We, because we do so many things over the holidays, we just kind of hang out. And so uh, my daughter, who's now almost 11, her whole thing is like, we're staying up till midnight. In fact, last night, She's like, you guys can go to bed at midnight. I'm going to stay up all night. I think she did. Um, she said she did. I went to bed. I stayed up till 12.01. I fulfilled my promise to her. And then I'm like, I have to work this weekend, babe. Uh, so, but what we do is we, 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 we have some fun together. We do our stuff during the day, but then we have made it a practice where every New Year's Eve, we will, um, we will uh, go over our pictures and our calendars and we'll kind of just 
uh, kind of re-go through the year. We'll, we'll celebrate, we'll remember, look at the highs, even the lows. Um, and so we, we do some, some, just some of that. And then we will get out our goals that we set for 2021 and we go over those. Uh, and then we will make new goals for 2022 and um, we will play some games and just she's all about it. And Rebecca and I just try to stay awake till midnight. Uh, until we can go to bed, but, 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 but we do that. And, um, and so we did that last night again. And uh, it was really interesting because my daughter has all these goals and she accomplished a, a bunch of them. Uh, then it's pretty remarkable. And I had eight goals and I was so excited to get out my goals. And then we went through them and I was like, no, 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 yes. Uh, so I got three out of eight this year. Uh, so, you know, as a, as a shooting percentage, it's bad. As a batting average, it's good. I don't know how you want to measure that. Um, but, uh, but I didn't even get half of them. Now, what I didn't really plan, I didn't take into account, some of my goals were beyond my con control and some of them uh, were affected by having a baby in April. So I should have thought that through a little bit more in December. Uh, but I found that now my 2022 goals look really similar to my 2021 goals. I'm like, well, let's try that again. Um, and, uh, and so one of my goals was to read a certain amount of books. Um, and when I write the word read, I mean start and finish because I love to start books. I love to dig into my favorite chapters and stuff. I read stuff all the time, but I might be the world's worst at like finishing a book. In fact, we were going through books. We got rid of a bunch of stuff. And I was like, man, that's the best book on the Holy Spirit I've ever read. And my wife goes, you read it? I go, yeah. She goes, the whole thing? I go, I actually read from start to finish. And, uh, and so uh, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes setting goals, whether it's maybe a birthday or maybe it's a, a monumental time in your life, maybe it's New Year's, maybe it's after a, a doctor's appointment, you get a diagnosis and it's like, okay, we got to change some things. It can be exciting, but can also be, um, it can be a little, de I don't know, deflating. It can be frustrating to go, man, I didn't really hit all these goals. Um, I don't know if you've ever felt this time or the, this, the, uh, been in a season where, you're like, um, man, it's, it's getting a little old hitting reset button on the same goals because I didn't do the same goal last year. And, um, you know, 2019, I said, and then 2020, I said, then 2021, I said, and here we are again. And um, I would just wonder how many of us have kind of committed to something again, whether it be a, a medical diagnosis or New Year's or whatever, only for us to kind of fall short. And then really, is, really realize I got to either try this again, or is it even worth starting up? And, and I don't know where you're at with that, but Here's what I'm excited to tell you. What if I told you that in about the next 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, that I'm gonna give you something that I can absolutely guarantee, and I use that word with a lot of caution, will catapult you in the direction that you ultimately wanna go. What if I told you in the next 30 minutes, I'm gonna give you one thing that could change everything, that I believe, in fact, I, I, will, I will take it to the bank, I will guarantee if you will make this a priority, if you will make this a part of your life, your regiment, that it will actually catapult you in the direction that I believe ultimately you want to go. Uh, now this year I'm doing, I've done something a little bit different because I, uh, I, I was kind of praying, God, what do you have for us? And I really felt like this one word came to me and there's a lot of stuff on the one word, one word. And I know people have done that. I've never been the big one word guy, but there is one word that kind of kept coming to me. And, and I just felt like that God was just saying, this is what I have for the church of Cape Christian. And this is what I have for the families and the individuals that call Cape Christian home. And what's really interesting is it kind of was birthed out of the same scripture that my personal word the last couple of years has come out of. And it's John 15, five. Uh, this should be familiar. You've seen or heard me talk about this if you've been around um, where Jesus is talking to his disciples about how do we really fulfill this spiritual life? How do we do this? And he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. I love this scripture. It might be my favorite verse in the Bible. It's very personal to me. And so for a couple of different years, uh, my word was remain. It was just this idea of like, I wanna stay connected to the source. I don't wanna just 
be busy doing stuff but not really connected to God. I don't wanna be doing spiritual activity but, but kind of missing the, the, the intimacy and the closeness. And so it was this word remain, but, but really where God has drawn me to this year is this idea of bear much fruit. And I really feel like God is saying like we're entering a season that this is, this is what God has for us. He wants us to bear much fruit, but I, but I reduce this down to one word that, that I, uh, we are gonna be committed to in 2022 and I would invite you to adopt and latch on to for 2022. And that one word is just the simple word, grow. Say it with me, say grow. grow. Say it with some conviction. Grow. grow, type it with conviction, grow. Grow. <laughs> I, I, I believe with my whole heart that if you were, if God were to come, you're like, God, what do you have for me this year? I believe this is his answer. Like I've spent time praying, I've sought God on your behalf and I believe it's this. And here's what I love about this. We can do this no matter what the climate is around us. That was a great place for an amen and y'all swung and missed, all of you. We can do this, maybe this was off. Uh, we can do this regardless of the climate around us. There you go. It doesn't matter if things are good or bad, what the political climate is, what the economic climate is, what the social climate is. It doesn't matter what the latest Facebook prophecy from a guy you've never met, so stop listening to him says. Yeah. Well, the guy said, well, you don't know him. You can do this. And this is what God wants for you. This is his will for your life. I believe he wants you. He wants me. He wants us to grow. And there's two aspects to this word that I really would invite you to latch on to, write down, pray into, make this. And again, maybe you already have your word and, and, and whatever it is, I bet this will fit into it. But here's this, there's kind of two aspects of this word that we are gonna really focus on. And I want you to focus in on, on your own life because I believe this has the potential to be a year unlike any other for some of us. And so this, the two aspects of this word are, are first of all, deep, and second of all, wide, deep and wide. If you grew up in church, you know that saying. How many of you sang the song, deep and wide? Yes, fountain flowing, right? Okay, so deep and wide. Let me just make this really, really simple for a second. I believe this is what God wants for you and has for us this year. And that word deep, to grow deep, literally means to deepen our character, deepen our intimacy, or in other words, to mature our, to grow and mature ourselves, to be deeper in, in the things of God, to be deeper in our character, and, in, in, and again, in just in our maturity, to be a mature follower of Jesus. And so it's this idea of, of the presence of God, it's the idea of, of spending time with God, it's the idea of, 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 of coming, of growing in your depth, in your knowledge of God and his word. This idea of wide has to do with scope and influence. The idea that God could use me in different ways this year than he's ever used me before. For, uh, that he could, that he, I could be trusted to serve or to reach out or to be generous or to be obedient. It's this idea that I wanna be wide. I wanna kind of be, if I could use a baseball term, be the utility player. If God needs me to play first, I play first. If he needs a catcher, I'm not the best, but I can play catcher. You can throw me in right field. It's that this idea of if we could grow deep where we're like, man, we know God, we know his word, we have his character, we, we are trying to be like him, we are very aware when we're not, we're quick to come to him when we're not, and then wide to go, man, our sphere of influence, our, our, our reach, uh, our, our ability to kind, of, to kind of vastly survey and not just be like, well, we just do this one thing. I believe that you will see God do unbelievable and transformative things in your life this year, and he will take you on a journey and an adventure unlike you've ever been on. Whether you're kind of just new to this whole faith thing, you're like, I'm just checking it out, I'm here on vacation. Or you're like, man, I was born on the front pew like some of us were, right? Pastors, kids, like we were born literally on the front pew. Like, I believe this is, this is what God has for us. And so I'm gonna invite you to really pray into this and really latch onto it. I would encourage if you were like, if I got 10 minutes with you and be like, hey, Corey, coach me up, what do you want me to do? I would say, write this word on like five note cards, the five places you go the most, 
put it in your car, put it in your mirror, put it in the bathroom, wherever you're at. Like, so you see and put, put these words and that, no, like, man, God, what are you doing in my life? What's God's up to? He's so mysterious. I believe it's this. And so even if a situation or circumstance is happening, you're like, I don't really get it. You can trust the fact that he is growing you. He's growing your patience. He's growing your faith. He's growing your, he might be, you might be being reminded of some crazy stuff from your past. And you're like, this is painful and horrible. Well, maybe he's taking you deeper and helping you to heal from some wounds or heal from some stuff. So you can be a healthier, more whole version of yourself. So you might actually be able to help somebody else going through the same thing. And so I really believe this is what God has for us. So, and so I really, listen, this is going to be simple. It, it might be profound. This is not going to be the, like, there's not going to be a bunch of Greek in context of the Old Testament in this one. If you're like hungry for that, go watch our Christmas series every week. We burned our nativity sitting to the ground. Okay. Um, so, but, but I want to just break this down and what is this going to look like? Because this is like what I'm passionate about. I want to grow myself. And as a pastor, like this is basically my job. How do I help you grow? This is not just like what I get a paycheck for. It's cool they pay me, but I'm committed to this because it's just in my DNA. I want you to be who God made you to be. I want you to know Jesus for who he is. I want you to experience the fullness of his grace, the fullness of his presence, his Holy Spirit, the gifts of his spirit. I want you to be able to be used and to experience him on levels you never have because I know that if and when you do, some of the stuff that you're hung up on now just won't be as big of a deal and you can still have an incredible 2022. Because I'm just be careful. Listen, I'm, there are a whole lot of influencers that have said, this is going to be the best year of your life. Well, they might be wrong. Because those same influencers said that about 2020 and 2020 sucked. And they said it about last year and it wasn't much better last year. So it could get worse. And so I'm not going to make some crazy projection about this will be, that's hype that we want to hear for the moment, but it, there's not substance to it, but there's substance to this. Like we can grow. And if you're committed to growth, I think you're going to find ways to grow and learn and develop and no matter what you're finding yourself in the middle of, it might be a job change. It might be even challenges within your marriage. It might be um, a, a child who's moving from, you know, on your house to out of your house or from, you know, preschool or, or elementary to adolescence. Like, I think we can all grow, grow in our relationship with God. And this is the million dollar question that every pastor asks, how do I help followers of Jesus grow? Isn't it, Dennis? It's, what we, it's like, what we have. how do I help? How do we help followers of Jesus grow? And so there's, that's the question that all my friends that do this are asking, like, what, what can we best do? Is it, is it giving? Is it serving and joining a team? Is it regular church attendance? Uh, is it going on a missions trip? Is it, is it being committed to small groups? Is it leading a small group? Like, how can we help people grow? Well, guess what? Not that long ago, there was a study done uh, about uh, this idea of how can we help Jesus followers grow? And, and they found and uncovered that there's one simple thing one thing that if you do and you commit to and you make regular, you will see transformational growth and maturity in your life. It's one thing that we all can do. And I can speak to this personally because it has been the one thing that has made me who I am. It is the one thing that, that, that has kind of been the covering for all of the other things. And so the, the study said, if you do this one thing, you are basically guaranteed to grow. Anybody want to take a shot at what that one thing is? Right here, it's this. There's my timeline of the Old Testament. See, we're not gonna get into that tonight, <laughs> today. It's interesting, but another time. This is it. This is it. This is so simple and profound, but this one, a study has shown that if you will commit to regularly reading the Bible, 
that you will experience growth. Not small groups, that's good. Not prayer, that's good. Not worship, that's good. Not serving on three or four teams, that's good. And we would love to have you do that. Uh, not giving and being generous, that's good. Not going on missions, all those things add. But this one thing is outside of all the others, high, highly, highly connected to you experiencing God and you growing in your spiritual development. Uh, and, and here's what's interesting. Most all of us have the ability to read most of us have access to a Bible, right? Or even multiple Bibles. In fact, if you have a phone, you actually have like apps that have every translation of every Bible in literally every language on it for free, the Bible app from, from YouVersion. Uh, but many of us don't read it. And, and this, is, this is not a shame and guilt message, I promise you that. But we don't, we don't read this. And I think there's a variety of reasons, right? Like uh, it, it can be, uh, it's overwhelming. Man, that's a big book. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Um, I don't know where to start. I understand all that. And I'm going to help you with some of those things here in the next few minutes. But I want to say one thing that I truly believe. And I, I, I said, I'm not going to make any crazy projections, but I am going to say this. I do believe this will be your best year ever. If, ah, if it's your best year spiritually. If 2022 is your best year spiritually, this will be your best year no matter what happens because if you grow and do this and if it's your best year spiritually, that actually means you're letting the creator of the universe whose kingdom will not ever perish, redefine the word best and you'll get rid of a standard and an alignment that doesn't make sense to our world and you will understand that best doesn't have to always do with bigger house, newer cars, more friends, all that stuff that, that the world kind of promises us. And I, so I believe this will be your best year if you make it your best year spiritually. And here's the second thing I want you to hear. The thing that will most influence your spiritual life this year is not listening to me. It's reading the Bible. It's, it's just true. The thing that will help you grow, the thing that will influence your spiritual life the most this year is not listening to a sermon. It's not listening to me. It will help, I hope to inspire. I hope to, every time you come, I hope to teach you something you don't know. I hope to make you hungry to go dig on your own. I feel like my job is to either, either to uh, irritate you enough or inspire you enough to give you a shovel and be like, oh, I gotta go look into that for myself. That, and, and, and maybe make it come alive and make sense in a way, because some of you maybe went to a, a church where it was like, oh, I never understood. So we wanna make it understandable because it is, but this is, this is it. This is <laughs> I'm like, we can be done. This is the key to your best year ever. And there's nothing that has shaped my life more. Now, I am so grateful for the way I grew up because my dad, as I told you, my dad and mom got saved, became Christians, like out of the crazy hippie drugs, prison movement, right when I was born. And so my dad was just told like, you need to eat this, you need to read it and you need to memorize it. So we went to Christian school, 45 minutes, one way every day for eight years. Me and my brother were highly competitive. So my dad leveraged our competitive nature against each other to memorize scripture. And so we would drive every day and my dad would have us memorize the scripture he would memorize. He would say, start to say a verse and whoever finished the verse and got the reference correct, got a point. And then we'd go to Christian school five days a week and learn the Bible. And then we'd drive to that same church 45 minutes on Sunday to go to Sunday school and church and all that because we just got it. And so while at times I didn't understand the value of it, at times I was like, whatever, like I'm so glad that I was literally from a young boy just stuffed with this thing because it wasn't until my 20s, 30s and 40s where it started to become apparent of what to do with it. But I can't, I, I, am, I am who I am. I've had great parents. I've had great churches. I've been in small groups. I've been on great teams. I've done all the things. I've tithed my entire life for fear of what would happen if I didn't. I've done all the things. <laughs> fear was a great motivator in the 80s. And if you were Gen X, you know what I'm talking about. God was gonna get us for all of it. Whether you were Catholic or Pentecostal or anywhere in between, it didn't matter. This is it. 
This is it. And if I could, if I could just like, if I could have one wish, if I could do one thing, it would be to, that you would not be forced to read this, but that you would see the value in it and love it and read it for yourself. And you would allow it to transform your life. And so I want to get into why that is. And so here's what the Bible says about the, is it bothering anybody else? This, I can't handle it. This is my OCD. I just can't. Oh, I lost a map page. It's old. So here's what the Bible, why, and why, why, why the Bible? Why, why that more than anything else? Well, let me show you what Paul said to Timothy. This is the Bible, Paul writing, the apostle Paul writing to a young leader, Timothy. And he says this, all scripture, all scripture, say all, all. is God breathed. Literally the breath and the spirit, that, that is the same word of God breathed life into the nostrils of man. Uh, it's the same language as you see in Genesis one and two. And is useful, it's useful for what? Man, I wish I had four weeks on this, which I did, but we are going somewhere else. For teaching, for rebuking, we don't love that word sometimes, correcting and training in righteousness. Stay here, don't go to the next one yet. Look at that. All scripture literally has the substance and the breath of God in it and is good for training and rebuking and correcting and uh, teaching. It's, it literally helps form us, shape us, coach us, encourage us, inspire us. When we get out of line, it brings us back. When we're doing good, it gives us an girl or an boy. It literally does that for what? So we can have all the things we want in life? No. In, go back. I said, we aren't not there yet. <laughs> in righteousness. In righteousness. What does that mean? To become like Jesus, to be right with God, to be the ultimate version, to be who you are meant to be. How do I find it out? I don't know. Where do I look? I mean, on Twitter, they say this, but then Facebook and then CNN and CNBC and Fox. It's right here. It's all. Well, what about like, even like Leviticus? All of it. Even like Revelation, well, we're going to get to that in our Got Questions series later this year. <laughs> Verse 17 says, so that, I love so that, so that the servant of God, remember deep and wide, may be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. Why, why is this so important? Training, rebuking, correcting, instruction in all forms of righteousness. So you can be thoroughly equipped and be ready for every good work. It's, it's really fascinating about this because we live in a time where we can have this readily available, but for a lot of history, this was not available. When the church launched in the early first centuries, illiteracy was a common problem. Most people couldn't read. And so that's why you would have these mass gatherings where they would come to listen to the scripture being read aloud because they couldn't read it, but they would come to listen to it. Fast forward to the medieval times, even in the 14, 1500s, there was still, illiteracy was a huge problem. And so art and architecture became a way to tell the story of Jesus. And so um, the, the origins of stained glass window, I don't know if you're familiar with this, like there's been some, some beautiful stained glass was the idea of um, there's a lot of illiteracy. So whether they're on the inside of our church or whether they're on the outside of our church, may they see the pictures that tell the story and they would highlight the most important parts, whether it's a garden or the fall or the cross or whatever the case may be. And it would be a reminder to tell me more about this story, not just for stained glass windows, but also like Michelangelo, the Da Vinci, the, the Renaissance era was this, the idea was not just let's make something historical, but let's tell the story of the Bible. In his book, uh, Who Is This Man? Ortberg outlines this beautifully uh, about the idea of, of this story of, a, of, a, of almost man and God and what happens. And so even when there was a time of illiteracy, it was like, we have to have people know the scripture. We have to have people know the scripture. Well, we live in a time where that's not really the, the place where we live now. And what we have learned now, what's so true is you are what you read, right? You are what, I mean, you've heard it said, you are what you eat. Well, I would make the case that 
reading is cognitively, emotionally, and spiritually eating, right? You are what you are, what you read. And here's why I'm so passionate about this. Because what you read, what you listen to, what you take in, absolutely shapes your worldview, your worldview, how you see the world. Uh, and it's interesting, this is just a total side note, but there was a, actually a, another study done about the correlation between the amount of books in a home and the likelihood that a child that grew up in that home would go to college. The more books in the home and the more the parents read, most of the kids would go to college. The less books or no books in the home, the, the, the kids would not finish high school or definitely would not go to college. And so there's even correlations to this I idea. But, but this idea of worldview, our worldview is shaped by what we read. Uh, and, the, and your worldview, you probably have never thought about this, but your worldview is probably one of the most important things about you. It's how you've shaped what success is. It's how you've shaped your identity. It's how you've shaped where your energy goes. Your worldview drives your identity and the way you go through and about life. It's about literally the person you are. And so you've maybe never thought of it, but what is your worldview? What is it? Is it secular? Cause that's a thing, you can go look it up. Do you have a, a community-based worldview? Do you have like an individualistic worldview? Do you have a worldview that says you are the center of your story or you are the center of the universe? Do you have a worldview that says you are entitled to be happy or you're entitled to be comfortable? All these exist, by the way, in America in 2022. Or do you have a biblical worldview? Like, do you have a worldview that is shaped by the words and the message and the life of Jesus and the story of that actually we're not the center of the story, God is the center of the story and we're a part of his story? Can I tell you something that motivates me and why I come so alive when I, when, I, when I talk about this? First of all, nothing has influenced me more than this book. But second of all, a few years ago, Barna, who does, they're the leading researchers in all of following churches and Christianity and all stuff, they massive, massive research engine. They did a, a study where they asked questions and we told on ourselves, this isn't what their interpretation is. This is what we said. Is this was a few years ago. They said still almost 70% of America, somewhere between 16 to 70% claims to be a Christian. Say six or seven out of 10 still claim to be a Christian. Ready for this? But only 7% of those who claim to be a Christian actually have a biblical worldview. In fact, it was like two or 3% between uh, Gen Z and the millennials. Did you hear what I just said? In America, of the 70, let's call it 65% of America that calls themselves Christians, Less than 5% of them actually have a biblical worldview, which means 95 out of 100 people that call themselves Christian in Cape Coral at Cape Christian in America actually call themselves a Christian, but have a worldview that is either secular, individualistic, self-centered, anything other than biblical. And that's not what Barna's like, their interpretation. That's what we have said about ourselves. This is what keeps me going. This is where my passion comes from. Cause how can I call myself a Christian? How can I call myself a Jesus follower when I don't even know the words of Jesus? And again, that's not shame. But, but it, there's, it's maybe kind of understandable why the world is like, Christianity doesn't make sense. And now, now we live in a time, the last 10 years, the hot word is this word echo chamber, right? The echo, you heard the word echo chamber? It's where you surround yourself with more information that you already know and more information that you already like. Because most of us get all of our information now from our phones, right? Whether it's the news, whatever your favorite news station is, or social media, or all of these things. And so here's the challenge that we have now that this never really happened is we follow and we read stuff that we already like and stuff that we already know. Think about it. Stuff we already like and stuff we already know. And now the people who are organizing this and producing the information have designed fancy algorithms to literally feed you more of what you like and more of what you know, not different opinions, not something else you can learn and grow. And so now we have this place where 
I'm literally being fed more of what I like and more of what I know. And it's creating a myopic, creating a little bit more of, of, of a, 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 a um, maybe like a uh, shrinking worldview where I don't have the ability to learn and I'm not even willing to understand or even, even uh, consider somebody else's worldview or viewpoint. And so we have a bunch of people saying I'm a Christian. They don't have a biblical worldview and we're just continuing getting fed with what we like and what we know. And I think we have to be careful. And what I'm talking about, by the way, is just on the cognitive level. So how much more then is reading the word of God paramount to our spiritual growth and our spiritual development? And oh, by the way, if you're looking at me and you're kind of like, I'm like, well, I've been in church 40 years. I know we can't rely on yesterday just to feed us for today. We're going to get to that in just a second. So if we need this for spiritual development, maybe, maybe no judgment, none, no judgment. Our, our job is to help you grow and encourage you and inspire you. Maybe I just put my finger on the point of why you have felt spiritually stagnant. I pray and nothing happens. I don't feel close to God. Well, maybe it's connected to our time in the word. So we're gonna help with this. We're gonna be committed to this. Uh, it's why we're gonna do 21 days of, of prayer this year. We're really gonna focus on the, the, the scripture reading this year. We're gonna start that in, in about a week. I wanna take you back to 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17, but I wanna show you the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation is a translation that kind of grabs the meaning and essence out of the scripture versus the technical, uh, per, the, the, the perfect translation. And so uh, I love this because I wanna show you why this is so important. Then I'm gonna give you real quick uh, four things of how we're gonna do this. So it says this in 16, it says, God has transmitted, I love this, his very substance. Come on, somebody. His very, the God who spoke the universe into existence has put his very spirit, his very substance into every scripture. Come on. For it is God breathed. And this is what I love about it because this is where the mystery lies. I won't ever be able to explain it, but I love that it's true. It will empower. Somebody say empower. empower. It will empower you by its instruction and correction. Hey, isn't this what we're all looking for? How many of us, we run into a problem or a situation where like, I don't have the strength. I don't know what to do. I don't think I can. I kind of know the right thing to do. I, I kind of maybe want to do the right thing, but I can't. The Bible says that the spirit literally uses this to empower you. In other words, to give you the power to do something you otherwise would not be able to do. And I cannot tell you how many times in my life I have seen that come true, whether it's something simple, like being patient when I should have wanted to explode or something way bigger where I've had faith in a situation where we just did not have the resources to even do what we were supposed to do. God's very substance in this. Why? To shame you? No. To judge you? No. To empower you through instruction and correction. Go to 17. Watch this. Giving you the strength. Again, isn't that what we're looking for? Oh, I can't do it. When was the last time like, okay, God, I'm going to interact with your word and I need you to empower me and give me the strength because I can't do it on my own and I've tried. And yes, we need all the other things, but I'm going to go to this. To do what? To take the right direction and lead you deeper. There's that word grow deeper into the path of godliness. I love this. The Bible says God's actual essence is in this thing and it's alive and it wants to empower you and strengthen you. And any other audience I would ever tell that to would be so much more excited than you are about it right now. No, I'm, 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 yeah, you're with me. I'm, we're good. I love that. It says it's going to empower us. And here's what I love about that word empower. That word empower doesn't mean just to know or it doesn't mean just to learn, but it actually means to live it out, right? Come on, somebody. To actually do it. Because we know the Bible says, God, the Bible says, love other people, or as we say around here, dude, be kind. But it's hard sometimes, right? Yeah. We know the Bible says, forgive. 
but it's really hard sometimes. We know the Bible says to give and be generous, but we don't. We know the Bible says we shouldn't let our pain from our past like dictate our future, but that's really hard sometimes, right? So we need something to empower us and strengthen us to help us do it. And that is where the Holy Spirit comes in. And I literally cannot explain it, but I cannot tell you how many times it, it, this has happened in my life where I've read something that literally comes alive to me and it not only makes sense, where I'm like, oh my gosh, but it actually empowers me to go do that thing in that day, in that season, in that meeting, or even just hold on until tomorrow. And so many times, and here's why I love the word grow and here's why I love this. So many times it's not God changing my circumstances, it's him changing my perspective from the inside out. This may not change, but I have a renewed faith, a renewed that I can have purpose in this moment, in this season, and I can grow and I can learn and I can become. And even if this does or doesn't change, I could become who God made me to be. And that's why I think if we attach ourselves to this word, word grow, nobody can take it away from us. So how are we going to do this? I'm just going to give you four things. And by the way, in our, our, we've already made the 21 days of prayer journals for you. They'll be available next week. This is literally a version of that, but this is kind of based off of, uh, it's actually a spiritual reading and it's an ancient practice that has a fancy Latin name that I'm not gonna bore you with nor stumble over. Uh, but here's what, here's what you have to do. And this is, it starts with your approach. You have to approach it. How are we gonna do this? You have to approach this not as another thing to do. You can't, like, you can't do that. It cannot be a box to check. It cannot be what pastor said I need to. It can't be like, well, if you do this, then it, you have to approach it with the idea of an interaction. This is an interaction between me, the living word of God and the living spirit of God. The three of us are gonna have an interaction. We're gonna engage. We have a, 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 a nine month old son and our 10 year old daughter. And there's often we'll be like, hey, Madison, will you take care of Blake? And when we say take care of Blake, we say, don't just sit by him. We mean engage with him, like engage him, play with him, like interact with him. That's what I'm talking about. You can sit next to somebody, but not engage and interact with them. Or you can just, oh, I, I did what you said for me to do. And so we're constantly just de describing this to my daughter. And that's kind of what I'm saying to you is not just, interact or not just sit next to you, but interact, like literally this posture of like, I believe I'm going to open this up and the living word of God and the living spirit of God wants to interact with me. Why? To empower me and to strengthen me, to mature me, to help me grow so I can become deep and wide and I can work through anything that's holding me back and I can be ready for whatever God has for me this day, this week, or this season. That's what this is. And so four things, and each of these things come with a question. And this is just a, a very practical, very simple, but here's where it starts. You got to carve out like 10, 15 minutes. If, if you can't be in a rush, you can't be distracted, but you got to have 10 or 15 minutes. It very much can be longer than that, but you got to have 10 or 15 minutes of uninterrupted. I'm going to do this by myself. I'm going to interact. And so here's where it starts. Number one, and I highly recommend getting a journal with this so you can jot down your thoughts and you can jot down your prayers, uh, especially at the end of the year when you can look back on some of the stuff you were asking God about and talking to God about. So number one is just the word read. Say read. Read, we're literally just answering the question. What does it say? I'm gonna read a scripture. What does it say? It says that all scripture is God breathing and powerful and empowering for me for instruction and correction, rebuke and all those things. So what does it say? And here's what, I, here's what I'll tell you when I say read. Don't just read it to get through it. Read it over again. Reread it and reread it. And I'm not talking a chapter. This isn't read the Bible in a year. This is one scripture. This is maybe three sentences or one paragraph that I want to really get in me. I want to read it. I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to read it again. Because when you do that, what happens is you're starting to allow your heart and your spirit to be open for the Holy Spirit to draw your attention to something specific that you need to hear that day. So I'm going to read it. Then number two, I'm going to meditate. And I'm just going to answer the question, what does it say to me? Reading is what does it say? Meditating is what does it say to me? Because even though it's an ancient text written somewhere else, it has the ability to speak to you right here and right now. Uh, Hebrews says it this way. In Hebrews 4, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, 
uh, it penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So what that verse is basically saying is that the scripture has something to say to you that is relevant all the time. That's why you can read something that means something to you in your 20s and it can mean something different in your 40s. You can read a scripture that you latch onto now and it may mean something different three months from now or three years from now. And that's not to say the Bible contradicts itself, but actually complements itself and adds layers to itself as it becomes more real and alive in your life and in your heart. Are you with me still? Some of you might be saying, well, I don't know how to hear from the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to hear from God. Let me just tell you where I, where I tell everybody to start. It's a great way to start. Just start with the thoughts in your head. If you think you have a thought that might come into your head, write down that thought. Well, how do I know if it's God speaking? Well, first of all, it does take some practice. But second of all, there's kind of an easy way to know. I would just journal like God might be saying this. I thought this, it might be crazy. It might be the burrito. It might be the Holy Spirit. I don't know. <laughs> but here's a kind of another test. If it sounds like something you read in the Bible or the nature of God, it might be God. If it's like, hey, you should forgive or you should prefer or you should be generous, then it's probably, if it, if it says to do something kind or loving or something like that, or if it says, look deep inside of yourself to let go of the pain and trust me to heal you or forgive someone or to find freedom, that's probably God. If, it, if that thought says something about like harm someone else, hurt someone else and do something that only satisfy you, it's probably not God. But you can start writing it down and then start weighing it against the stuff you've already read. So we're gonna pray, we're gonna ask what does it say, and then we're gonna say, what does it say to me? What's the part was it the every good work part of it? Was it the important for this part of it? What's it saying to me right now and here? And then the third one is we're going to pray. And pray is not some fancy, pray is just simply, what do I want to say to God? And can I just let you off the hook here? You don't need the these and the thous. You don't need big fancy church words. You just talk to God like you would talk to a coworker or a friend or the way you would talk to me. God, I, I read this. It, it says this. I think it's saying this to me. That would make sense because I need to do more of this with my kids, coworkers, whatever. I would probably could use more of this in my life. I don't know what to do, but I, I'm here with an interaction. And I, I believe that if I interact with this in your spirit, then it, it's going to medit, it's going to change me and it's going to lead to some transformation and it's going to empower me and give me strength to do it. So I'm trusting, I think this is what you want me to do, God. So I'm going into this day or this meeting and that would make sense. So I need your help. Help me to do this because I want to be a better version of myself because I want to grow because I think this could be the best year ever if it's my best year spiritually. Pray, just pray. And then the fourth one is contemplate. Fancy word for application. How might this look in my life? Well, you got a meeting with a bunch of people you hate. You open your Bible 10 minutes before and it says, love your enemies. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> what are the chances? How might this look? Be quiet, be encouraging. Then you start to meditate. You're starting to let the spirit speak to you. How might this look in my life? It's the application, it's the action plan. And this is where transformation happens. And this is where the interaction goes, okay, God, you gotta help me with this. God, I need your spirit, I need your power, I need your presence. Church, I can't tell you how bad I want this for you. So bad that I'm stinking sweating up here. Because I know if you get it, I've met with a lot of you, I know a lot of your story. I know if you get this, the thing that keeps tripping you up won't be the thing that keeps tripping you up anymore. And you're gonna experience freedom and healing and you're going to find a relationship with Jesus and a life that you have dreamed of but didn't know was true because you allowed the interaction of the Spirit of God and the Word of God to get in you. And I'm telling you, I guarantee, if you give God a chance, and it can't be the golf swing thing. Well, I tried it one time, I didn't feel anything. Awesome, congratulations, good for you. You, and here's the other thing. You may not feel anything every time. Don't chase a feeling. That's the secular worldview, by the way. Have the faith that it's happening. And so where are we gonna start? Here would be my goal. Here would be I say, don't, don't, if you've not, if you've never done this, don't be like, I'm gonna do it every day this week. No, you're not. You won't. 
How about two times this week? That'll be plenty for the Spirit of God to give you for this week. If you're like, I can't get enough, then go longer, do it again. Plan it in the morning, do it at lunch break, do it in the evening, do it both. Read, where do you start, where do I go? Like, but just take two or three times. We're gonna do our 21 days of prayer and we're really gonna make it 21 days of prayer in the word this year. And we're, we always do it from January 11th to the 31st. It's 21 days, we ended on the last day of January. We'll have those available, but you don't have to wait till next week. Maybe grab a Bible app, grab a Bible and start reading. We gotta close, so I wanna give you the biggest question I get as a pastor. It doesn't make sense, where do I start, right? Like, right, that's, what, that's how I feel half the time. I'm a pastor, I'm like, this doesn't make sense, where do I start? So I'm gonna give you four recommendations. These are gonna be huge keys for you. I'm gonna give you some, some tools that will help you know where to start or what to do. Um, first of all, the Bible Project. One of my favorite things I've ever found, they have the videos, they have the website, they just launched an app that will literally give you a survey and a commentary on every book, which means it'll be like, before you read Philippians, here's what you should know about Philippians. And it's brilliant. That's what a survey is. I recommend something that you kind of understand what you're, you're reading. Bible Project is one of them. Um, the second one is, is, is a similar thing. It's a survey. It's called How to Read the Bible by uh, Book by Book. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a guided tour. And it's the same thing. Every book kind of has a, here's what you need to know. And you, the, the goal isn't to crush this in a year. It's to go slow and to grow. Let me say it again. The goal isn't to crush this in a year. It's to go slow and grow. Because any sustained growth usually takes a long time. So here's another one, it's a similar idea, survey. I'm gonna give you another one, similar idea, N.T. Wright, love him. He has this for everyone Bible study guides, literally for every book of the Bible. I use these regularly, Pastor Mac loves these. I'm doing James right now. They have them for every book. You can order them in sets. It's a great gift idea, N.T. Wright. So there's three different Bible studies that most of our pastors regularly recommend that I could say, these would be great Bible study to tools. If you've never started, they're safe and easy. If you've been reading the Bible your whole life, you're gonna find something in here you didn't know. So they're good no matter where you're at. I just wanted to give you those tools. And then here's the other one. Like, well, where do I start and what do I read? Let me give you a really, really practical, easy to attain goal for 2020. Just read the New Testament. Just start at Matthew and go to the end. Let us know when you get to Revelation because we need to talk. But just start there, because you're gonna, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna read the story of the life of Jesus. Then you're gonna read about the launch of the church. And then you're gonna read about how that looks in foreign co communities and how to take care of each other in different contexts, basically through Romans, through the end of the, the New Testament. So just start in Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, just go in order, get the Bible study and read through it, and you will be able to do this. So again, I, I wanna emphasize, I believe this will be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. And what you need even more than 35 minutes from me is you need some of your own time where you go dig and you allow an interaction between the living word of God, the living spirit of God and your spirit. And you watch God do in you and through you and for you more than you could ever imagine. It may not be what you expect, but it absolutely will be what you need. So, this is the key. This is everything. This is the one thing that helps Jesus followers grow and mature. And so let's start by just a prayer, a commitment, uh, say yes to God, say, yes, God, I wanna make this the focus this year. And let's just see what God will do. And so um, I asked the worship team to come sing one of my favorite songs right now. It's that simple song, Make Room. And we just wanted to have a worship song at the end where we uh, sing this and literally just make this our declaration for 2022. We make it our prayer where we're saying, God, I'm gonna make room for you. You can take down, tear out whatever needs to go and you can add back whatever needs to. And so uh, I'm gonna invite you if you're physically able to stand to your feet uh, and we're gonna close. Um, remember, after we're done, if you need prayer, there's a team in the prayer room. Uh, and if you uh, are one of like, man, I wanna, I wanna have this relationship with Jesus, there's a text code that you can get uh, and, and we would love to connect with you on that. 
But for this, I just wanted to create like three minutes where we can sing this. You can literally sing the words as a prayer. Or if you want to say your own prayer, kind of just have your own um, kind of contemplation. We just wanted to create space. We wanted to make room for that. And then Pastor Desi will dismiss us as soon as we're done. So let's, uh, let's make, just make this our own kind of personal commitment and covenant to God for 2022. This is my 